0: This episode of the Business Samurai Podcast is brought to you by Lamar Marie Popcorn. You can get now one bag and get a second bag for half off with the code Barker at checkout. So if you like your snacks a little sweet, a little salty, a little mixture of both, go check out LamarMarie.com and all of the flavors that they have for your next snacking sensation. That is LamarMarie.com with code Barker at checkout for buy one, get one half off. If you know your business needs to be more secure, but don't know how it drives value, and you hate all of the technical mumbo jumbo, then you are in the right place. Welcome to the C Word for Business podcast, where cash is king and the C stands for cyber. The only cybersecurity related podcast aimed at you, the business leader, to cut past the jargon and help you with cyber risk management in terms you will understand, business. You will learn the best tech related metrics to track, how communication is the lifesaver when it comes to cyber, and how good policy will fix the weak link when it comes to security. People. Listen in on conversations with world-class business leaders and how they manage risk. We will deconstruct their processes on how they choose to protect themselves, their team, and customers. You are stepping into a world of proactive business with your hosts, AJ Orr and John Barker. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the C Word for Business podcast. As always, I am your co-host, John Barker, with...
1: AJ Orr coming nice and cold from Columbus, Ohio today.
0: Hey man, got a good one here. If you hear us giggling a little bit here at the top, this is this is our third take of doing this because first I couldn't speak. I lost the ability to pronounce words properly, which included the title of our show. Um, so we had we had to, to go through that a couple of times. But guess what? We're here, we're rolling, and we got three stories for you today. You wanna you wanna kick us off? Happen.
1: Absolutely. We're going to make it happen. Uh, come hell or high water. So the first article that we're going to look at today was published by Info Security Group. Once again, as always, the link to the article itself will be in the show notes. Um, but thousands of schools were impacted after an IT provider was hit by ransomware. And so quick overview on the article basically uh, says that the IT provider final site, I hope I pronounced that right, but that's the way it reads, uh, uh, they claim that they serve over 8,000 schools worldwide and they were hit by a ransomware attack that caused a prolonged outage. They didn't give any idea or speculation as far as how long the outage lasted, but they said uh, while they hadn't seen any evidence of any data being stolen, they estimated that some 2,200 schools were impacted. And so I know that we've talked a lot about schools and cybersecurity. And so I'll kick this one over to you real quick, John, kind of give your quick takes on what you thought from the article itself.
0: No, it sounds good. It, it, it was interesting to me because the school systems that I've been familiar with, a lot of the stuff is in-house to my knowledge. Uh, so it's, it's you've got something now we're talking a supply chain threat. So I don't know that even the schools, there's much they can do about that. Uh, and and another thing too is uh, having loosely look these, you know, this up, it looks like it's kind of a primarily kind of public facing, but apparently it did affect some communications, because if you get inclement weather, if you've got uh, some other type of emergency, it did kind of prevent the communications piece uh, of what was going on there. Uh, So, you know, this is where the business resiliency piece kind of comes in. How do you kick that stuff over? Where's the threat? You know, where's the threat lie? And the school systems is, is, you know, just aren't equipped to handle that stuff uh, in, in the cases that I'm personally experienced in. And again, this ties back to uh, that new law that just got signed as well, you know, that that, that CISA is going to be doing a study with this. So it's going to be interesting to see now that this just happened earlier this year, that, right. you know, is the study going to take into account, are we talking about just what's in-house? Is this going to, you know, Proliferate to other pieces of of what the schools have to interact with with their business partners as well. Going, are our business partners good?
1: Well, and I, I think that's that's what's leading to is and if nothing else, as business leaders and executives, you know, everybody that's tuning in, we should know or at least have a good comfort level of the other businesses that we choose to do business with. You know, so these third party vendors, understanding that if they have an issue what 's the impact going to be on you now in this situation it's It's, it's slightly different because i don 't think there were any kind of back doors into uh, these school systems, but what it did was it impacted their ability to provide information through the emergency systems and everything else like that so a functionality that the that the the school was used to having was no longer there, and so that 's a business continuity thing you know when we come when we have these conversations but one thing that they point out in the article that I thought was very interesting uh which is the the idea that uh, criminals are using double extortion, and so they made note in this article that none of the information was stolen. But what they're, what we're starting to see in the market space is that criminals will get in, they'll steal, they'll exfiltrate your information, and then they'll spring a ransomware on you. So they'll try to get you to pay the ransom, and then on top of that, they'll say, "Hey, look, uh, we've got all your data over here. We'll release it to the public if you don't pay us." I mean. Once again, if that's not if that's not a, a gangster mafia move on, on from cybersecurity, I mean this is a business. That's exactly how they're treated. Like, all right, we're gonna get you twice on this. I mean, they're trying to they're trying to maximize every opportunity that they got, just like a business owner would, you know. We we do a lot we spend a lot of money in prospecting and trying to find clients. And so whenever we get somebody on the hook, we try to we try shake to make to shake that tree, shake that tree. <laughs> we're <laughs> shaking the tree. And criminals are doing the exact same. Thing. I mean <laughs> I think I mean the ingenuity of it just just it, it, I applaud that but I, I wish they were using their their, their skills and for the for the better or for good but once again it, it just goes to show they are treating this like a business
0: yeah I, there's a line that stuck out at me that actually has really nothing to do with the event itself I mean I, I think anybody that's listened to this if you've turned on the news at any point in the last several years that uh, you, you've heard of a ransomware attack on something. You know, right. the the line, I actually just highlighted it for anybody having to see this clip on on YouTube. For those of you listening into the car, you'll have to use your imaginations of what a yellow highlighter looks like. Uh, the, it's yellow. It is. This is yellow. <laughs> um, the imp, it, the line was the impact of this outage is far greater than the attention it has received, which makes me wonder. Have we gotten to a point that we're just numb to these things that actually have that this this much of an impact?
1: You hit the nail on the head. I think I think we've become numb to hearing it, and that's the problem that we face when it comes to cybersecurity as a whole. Is that you know amongst the other mindsets that we have to contend with of being too small, not a target, blah blah blah. The other is we become desensitized to it because we hear it all the time. It's just like oh it happened again, oh that stinks, oh what do we got to do now? Yeah, we become desensitized to it. So I think in my
0: and if this is the first time you're tuning in, the cuckoo clock means it's time to move on to the next story before we drive you nuts, before we keep going down crazy and crazier and crazier rabbit holes. <laughs> so I want to bounce to the next story. Absolutely. Which is a cold calling scam that happened to the uh, it's O2 uh, cell phone provider out of the UK. So what was happening, uh, the gist of this was that quote, unquote, lucky customers were getting these calls of 35 to 40% discounts on their cell phone bill. The only catch was that the person that was calling them needed to get direct access to their account, which with the O2 system required your your two-factor authentication, the code that you get in a text message um, to have access, and apparently lots of people kind of did that before it kind of got called out the uh, the apparently it may have happened even to the person that contributed to the article and she picked up on what was going on and, and didn't do that um so now we're seeing <laughs> and there, and if again if you happen to be on watching the clip on youtube we've got the image up here but there's a uh basically the exact warning that you kind of get about the, the what what this looks like and it says the cold caller asks if you want to take advantage of the discount at the same time, the scammer visits the O2 sign-in page, types in your phone number, and asks for the one-time code to access your account so they can apply the discount directly. And if you hand over the code, then they have access. When you hear something like this, that now we're we're going to see some breakages in two-factor authentication, <laughs> what's the first thing that pops into your head?
1: Genius. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, from, from, from a... Once again, a business mindset, I think it's genius. I mean, what what they've done is they've created a whole scam built around getting around two-factor authentication. You know, so they're they're calling you up saying, hey, we've got this great deal to, for you to take advantage of, um, you know, but in order to see if you can qualify, in order to, to, to get it to you, we're, I have to prove that you are you. Even though I'm the one who called you, I got to prove that you were you. So I'm going to send you a one-time code and I need you to read that code back to me. And, and, and that's the way they're going to it. I mean, genius, genius. I, once again, I, I can't say it enough. I'll, I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. Criminals are treating this stuff like a business, and if you don't understand that, that's whenever you can become a victim. And so I think I think in this case, it's 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 all about being aware, understanding that criminals are coming up with more creative ways to do malicious and nefarious things, so that they can capitalize on on your not knowing. And that's really what boils down to.
0: This this reminds me, and I don't know if I've shared, I don't think I've shared the story yet. Uh, I'll get I'll do part of it of the gift card scam. That was kind of going along um, because I actually know somebody that that, that was that did this where you get called up, hey, relatives in in jail, financial trouble, but I need gift cards. I need like the visa gift cards. And, you know, they walk around and get them. They scratch off the card and they read them the numbers over the The number. Uh, This reminds, you know, in a way, this reminds me of that. And and just what. This is the part of human nature and and that people are, you know, you're tapping into that thing of, man, I can get something way cheaper than I'm used to. And that if it sounds too good, it probably is too good, particularly something like this that's out of the blue. How how do we, you know, from an emotional standpoint, psychological standpoint, get better at recognizing these types of things do you, i don't know if you you know i just sprung that question on you now because i don't know how you do that because in the heat of the moment sometimes you just get caught up in the heat of the moment so i don't even know I, how do you break that psychological cycle to sit there and go hold on whoa whoa, whoa hold, let me tap the brakes on this just a moment here to see if this is legit
1: yeah i i don't know how you how you do that other than getting people to not be, or to be more skeptical. You know, I think as IT providers and those that work in the cybersecurity space, you know, we're, we're skeptic by nature. Like everything is always too good to be true. Like, it doesn't make sense. Why is it doing this? And we, we ask that question of why, like, why is this happening? Why did I receive this? Why, why do you want me to do this? Why are you asking me this? You know, so by nature, we do that. Unless you can teach and ingrain that in people just to to take a half a step to ask the question of why or hmm, this doesn't seem quite right until we get people to that point then it, they're always going to be they're always going to be victims of this and you know one of the things that i know i talk a lot about but uh, i don't know if, if i've mentioned it here on, on, on this platform where it, it's we have to understand that the deck is stacked against us when it comes to cybersecurity and protecting ourselves in this digital space because the criminals only have to get it right once and we have to win every single time. And so the deck is completely stacked against us. They just need us to to trip up one time and, and they got us in are end. And we have to be perfect. And so it's not fair, but it's just, it's just the nature of the beast, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I was going to say there's a couple, I- I'm going to say practical tips that I personally do to try to kind of avoid some of this stuff. Uh, the first thing is I don't answer a cold call. <laughs> so, so if you're, I've got my phone set up. If you're actually not in my address book, you know, you can leave a voicemail, but most of those times, those guys don't, there, there have been right. some where I get stuff and you're like, it's just like, you know, I'll get a message like, Hey, this is Tina. Uh, just give me a call back. Uh, you know, you left me back. and I'm like, uh, who, you know, and I, yeah, you know, so yeah. I, but I'm not getting in that heat of the moment where I picked up a random, you know, a random phone call. Uh, I, I'm definitely much more deliberate as well when it comes to, uh, you know, email. We've we talked about this. You get if I get an email that says it's from my bank, and it may, and and you know, totally legitimate. I never click the links inside of those. Even if I, you know, even never. if I know it's the bank, you know, I'll go. Yeah. You're asking me to do something. I'll actually not use the email. I'll go to the to the I'll website, log in, and go. Yeah. Hey, is this is this legitimate? Same thing. If I get a text message, uh, you know, yeah. the banks are pretty good about saying, "Hey, is this charge authorized?" You know, and, and approved. They're getting better with some of that stuff. So I'll go, yeah. you know, I'll actually log into the site or go to their site to find the phone number, not in the text message, not in an email, but from the website that I know is, to the best of my knowledge, a trusted source. On the site that's why this clone the website. Uh, but those are just a little few practical tips I knew to try to break through that psychological barrier uh, to a degree.
1: Yeah. Well, see, I'm different because I'm a product of the 80s. And so as my kids will tell you, I just say, no, I don't do nothing. <laughs> I don't click on nothing. You ask me something now. No No's my, no my default response until I slow down. And be like, well, should I? But then yeah. by, by that point, no, 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 always serves you well. So as they said back in the 80s, just say no. Just say no. Be safer.
0: <laughs> hey, you know what this else, this, this proved to me. So apparently cold calling is not dead. <laughs> It's not dead. It's, it's, not dead. It's, it's just reinvented. That's all it I, is. I was going to say, because I've definitely seen the hesitation with this, man. But if they're not making money, they wouldn't be doing it.
1: They wouldn't be doing <laughs> yeah.
0: it. It's a business, man. Yeah, it's we, a business. And that, and that is, a, is a drum you may hear every single episode that you turn in at least once.
1: <laughs> Guarantee it, because I'm always saying
0: it. <laughs> and with that, we'll move into the next article. Uh, which is not so much an article, but something I wanted to have a general discussion about, because I see this within uh, the technology sector, uh, misapplied uh, from businesses, uh, and also uh, it kind of, to a degree, dumped on by technical professionals, if you follow any InfoSec on uh, Twitter, and that is the state of IT certifications. And so this kind of, there was an article that came out uh, uh from cio.com this is uh it was last year but these are uh you know the kind of the rankings of some of the top ones that if you're if you're looking to hire someone in your business oh man these are the ones you should be looking for as well as um you know if you're looking to bump up your career these are are big career boosters top of the list of cissp i'm gonna raise my hand i got one yeah, yeah. Don't you have one um, of those? Yeah, I do, shameless I, plug? I do have one of those. Shameless plug. Um, <laughs> AWS, you know, solutions architect. A lot of AWS in there. Um, I, I, I I considered a little step down. Other people may not, but the system certified information security manager, you know, roughly a CISSP equivalent. Some Google Cloud stuff. Lots of cloud things have emerged that weren't. When I was doing hands-on tech, that, you know, cloud didn't exist. You You built your cloud own cloud. clouds. For those of you that are confused about cloud, cloud is just the data center is somewhere else, not in your physical position. Um,
1: That's it. You're just using somebody else's yeah. resources. And a few That's Microsoft
0: it. things. But, you know, back in the day, Microsoft systems security engineer, systems administrator, they were big deals in, in Novell. But one of the things that I –
1: Novell. Yeah.
0: we we'll <laughs> still use Novell, by the way. I um,
1: wow, didn't know that. That's a fine. Yes,
0: box. I've actually seen the login. <laughs> I've not seen that since 2000 where are we that's in 2020 that's a that's a throwback thursday as one. we digress briefly but one of the things that i've seen is uh the the certifications back in the day you used to be able to kind of memorize you know certain things to just pass the test with no experience so they it was like uh, milling you could you could be this certification mill and have all these certs but really no practical experience i would say right. definitely you'd see ISSP being the last one that i've taken you can't take that without practical experience I have my wow. problems with with the not the content, but the exam itself, which that's a different story. But you oh, have to happen. you have to have the experience to be able to take that. But it's been misappropriated. I got into a, a, a discussion a while back with someone that you know on the on the business side that goes, "Oh, you're a CISSP. you can sit there and do all this technical hands on." I'm like, "Dude, CISSP is a management certification. Yes, have I done yeah. some of those things?" Yeah, but CISSP has nothing to do with my ability to use Kali Linux and do packet sniffing. I've never done any of that type of stuff. Which, you know, I've never done hacking. I'm not a hacker, but I'm still in the cybersecurity realm. So, it, right. so with your with your experience, have you and the people that you've talked to, do you see the businesses looking at these? Because I, you, you see. Entry level position requires CISSP. CISSP requires a minimum it's not of an price. entry
1: yeah yeah, not an entry level position. So
0: <laughs> so for those businesses trying to find good qualified people, how do you view IT certifications in the in the mix of that?
1: So I, I think you gotta look at it from two two different perspectives or two different lenses. You know, the, the first lens is as a security provider, then you want people that have these top level certifications that have the experience because you're putting them in charge of monitoring security for your clients and other organizations. Now from a an executive standpoint, so non-technical person that's looking to say, Hey, look, I I need to I realize I have cybersecurity challenges, I wanna, you know, be proactive, I wanna start taking care of this stuff, then you need to make sure that your people have these certifications, you know? And you know, I, I think one of the big challenges that that I've seen in the market space is where um Businesses say, hey, we're good when it comes to cybersecurity because we have an IT guy. But the IT guy or the outsourced IT MSP that they're working with doesn't have anybody on staff that has any of these security certifications. And so then you have to ask the question of how well are you doing cybersecurity if you don't have these certifications? You know, so I look at the certifications as.
0: So you put weight on that measure. I do put, you weight put on. a lot. You put you put more weight on some of some of that.
1: On some of them, depending upon the situation and what you're looking at doing. So I give weight to the certifications uh, because it at least tells me, you know, one, it's good to get to. So if I'm looking to hire, um, I'm looking for the certifications. So it at least gives me a baseline of where you should be, because now I know if you tell me that you're a CISSP, then when we sit down and we have practical conversations and we're going through that interview process and I'm giving you different scenarios to kind of run through, then I know what I should be looking for. Because you said that you're this, and this is what, this is the level that you should be at when when, when you're when you're a CISSP. Now, if you've got an entry-level certification, which is fine because we hire those positions as well, but when you come in with those entry-level certifications, then I'm not going to ask so, you these CISSP-level so questions. So,
0: you, you actually are kind of, you're going to make my point here in a second just for what you said. The, the problem- I hate it when I do that. I know. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, you make my life so much easier when you stick your foot in my <laughs> Exactly. No i walk into it. <laughs> but the the issue is, is the non-technical hiring managers that know they need something, but they sit there and don't categorize the level of certification to the role. They've heard okay. the term security plus. They've heard the they know CISSP. They've heard of a Microsoft certification, but can't distinguish between This one indicates someone that's, you know, been, you know, they've got a little bit of experience versus someone that's been doing it for 20 years and they mix them all up. So how do we get how do either technical professionals or or just non, you know, business that don't you know, the tech is just kind of helps them function. That's not their primary job like it is with you, with with your organization to distinguish that they're getting right sized help. You know, when they don't understand that, that's the problem.
1: So the way that we solve that is that you and I and others like us need to start working with HR professionals in educating them on what this stuff really Bingo. is and what it actually is. Bingo. And that's the only way that you solve that problem is to get to the hiring managers, because typically they're not they're not tacking the CIO, the CTO to do this hiring position, even though they probably should. But let's face it. Some of these organizations, a lot of these organizations don't have that position. They don't have somebody in that role as a CIO or, you know, you know, depending upon the size of the organization, you know, there's small businesses out there where, you know, the operations guy also helps to manage IT and they don't really have an IT background. So you can't put them in charge of this. I think it goes back to the one of the points that you made before, right sizing and making sure that people are in the right seats. Um, because you know your hiring manager they're, they're throwing these terms in as as prerequisites and for qualifications to apply for the job but not even knowing what those things actually are and so the way that we change that is is professionals working with HR professionals uh, to get them to understand hey this is what this means and, and to be the the translator or the go-between as they're, as they're looking to put these, put these job positions out there and to fill these roles.
0: No, and I, and I agree with that. And I would say for anybody listening that you're confused on what the certifications are, who they are, F- find a trusted advisor that you can kind of call on to, to do that. Or even better yet, before listing a, a position description out on Indeed or LinkedIn or wherever it is that you do you know, some passive recruiting from, and you're like, what does this take? Uh, Hit up ISC squared, which manages like the CISSP one or hit up CompTIA and say, Hey, really, Comptia Plus has a has a great yeah. roadmap for technology that right.
1: that breaks it down. They do from intermediate, beginner, and so you know exactly yeah. kind of where those skill sets fall. I think it's a great roadmap. I'm
0: actually going to. I'll take a note. Anybody listening to this, we'll we'll put the roadmap in the uh, description below. I forgot they had actually done that chart, and it, and, it prog- yeah. and, and it and it's it, phenomenal, and it progresses that com- great resource. So yeah. Um, here, any any final thoughts as we wrap up with uh, certifications and uh, and making sure you get the right people in the right seats.
1: Yeah, if you have if you're serious about uh, cybersecurity, make sure your people at least have one of them. Like, <laughs> I, well, <laughs> make sure I, they're all that on this chart. Make sure they at least have one of the certifications. Otherwise, you're not really doing cybersecurity. And if you're a
0: government contractor, just put your entire staff through security plus training. <laughs> <laughs> <No>, kidding, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> kidding, but that's a baseline. I, I do know the government DOD, they use security plus CompTIA security plus as a baseline, but sounds good, man. Yeah. I think we, I think we, uh, we, we nailed this, these three topics until somebody tells us otherwise That's and right. looking forward to looking forward to the next one.
1: Absolutely. Always fun. Hope it was valuable for you guys. And we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Sounds good.